Hey, everybody. It's Glenn Thrush with Politico's Off Message podcast, the post-Donald shock edition. Just looking down at my Twitter feed and seeing a picture of a smiling Donald Trump. By the way, you never really get to see pictures of Donald Trump smiling. Uh, Grinning over a taco bowl with uh, the tweet, I love Hispanics. (laughs) I got to tell you, man, that is pretty, that's, you know, that's pretty good. It's like, I I don't want to, you know, actually, I can't draw a comparison because uh, any one of them uh, will put me on the unemployment line. So let's talk about hate mail and trolls. Um, I love trolls, uh, love trolls on Twitter, love getting into fights with trolls, particularly between the hours of 6.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock when I'm laying in bed and in a crappy mood and don't want to get up. Uh, So I've learned how to chill it with the trolls, but I have to say, I have this weird characteristic, and I want to share a little story with you. Um, uh, I am at gthrush at politico.com, and as you know, on every show, I encourage people to send me compliments or criticism. Uh, and it has been pointed out to me <laughs> that uh, if you send me a nasty gram, I will respond within 30 seconds, right? But if you send me a compliment, and you know, I'm happy to say, or unhappy to say apparently, that we've been getting a lot of a lot of good feedback on the show. Um, I will often uh, be so humiliated, embarrassed, and awkward that I will not respond to people. So I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner uh, uh, last week, and a very famous person, I will not say who, um, I just want everybody to know that I actually know a very famous person, um, and they are they are compass mentis, they're not out of their minds. Walk up, I walked up to them, I said, hi, X. And X said, hi, and walked away. And I followed X, and I said, why are you pissed at me, X? And X said, I sent you two emails telling you how, how much I liked your Hillary Clinton podcast, and you didn't respond. So I lied, and I said, well, X, I think you went into junk mail. By the way, if I ever tell you that you're, I didn't respond because your email went into junk mail, I am lying through my teeth. And then I realized, why the hell didn't I respond to this person? And the answer was um, self-hatred. I don't know. I just, uh, it's very hard for me to accept positive uh, feedback. And by the way, if you'd known my parents, uh, you would well figure out why. So this week's, speaking of self-hatred, that's a great transition. Um, Well, actually not speaking of self-hatred. Speaking of self-love, Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump is now the Republican uh, nominee. That is clear. Uh, anything barring uh, the construction of a wall uh, paid for by Cleveland around the convention center <laughs> won't stop this dude from being the Republican nominee. The irony, of course, I guess irony is not the word here, is that Hillary Clinton still slogs on with Bernie Sanders, who is holding on uh, like Fark in the jungle. Uh, so uh, Trump is now the nominee, and what we're seeing a, a lot of are Republicans uh, freaking out. <clears throat> you just walk down Pennsylvania Avenue past any Starbucks, and you see them throwing themselves in front of taxi cabs. Uh, the reality with Trump is, is twofold. Every single Republican candidate down ballot will be asked two questions. The first is, do you support Donald Trump? If the answer is yes, the next question is, Donald Trump just said X. Do you still support Donald Trump? And this is going to go on for the next six months, folks. Uh, Republicans are screwed on this. Now, Trump may recover. He may do better in the polls. He may take some sort of pill that stops him from saying crazy stuff. Um, But this is a huge issue for Republicans. And really, the last 24, 48 hours, it's all they're talking about. Hence, our guest, Mark Salter, uh, is a writer by trade. Uh, and a longtime confidant and a, lot, a confidant, and a lot of people say the alter ego of John McCain, um, one of the very first targets of uh, Donald Trump's criticism. Remember, he said that uh, John McCain, who of course is one of the great war heroes of our time, uh, incarcerated in Hanoi, uh, tortured, broken bones, really sacrificed for our country. <laughs> Donald Trump, memorably very early in the campaign last fall, said that uh, he he preferred people who quote didn't get captured. Um, Salter came out a couple of days ago uh, with a tweet saying that he supports Hillary Clinton, one of the really few Republicans to actually say that as opposed to uh, the weasel word formation, uh, as provided by people like uh, Senator Kelly Ayotte of uh, New Hampshire, who says, I will vote for Donald Trump, yet I will not endorse him. There is n- Folks, there is no damn difference. If you say you're going to vote for Donald Trump, you're endorsing him. There is no official 
process. You don't go down to city hall and, and get someone to put a stamp on your form of endorsement. If you say you're going to vote for them, you've endorsed them. So Salter uh, has now come out for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and so I wanted to sit down and talk with him about that. As it turned out, the conversation was far more interesting than that. Um, Salter is probably, he's one of the more colorful, but also one of the more thoughtful uh, folks in Republican politics. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Will, too. Uh, some business, the usual business. Please, please, please subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us. We're doing quite nicely on that. And as I said before, uh, I'm not going to ask for compliments. I just want the nastiest stuff to gthrush at politico.com. Keep it, you know, keep it clean. Keep it non-ethnic, preferably. Um, but I'd love to hear your rotten, horrible uh, criticism because I really am lousy at my job and a terrible human being to, to boot. Uh Without any further ado, here's Mark Salter. Mark, let's talk about a little conflict you and I had on Twitter Twitter a couple weeks ago. So I, uh, for anyone who listens to this, the thing that I'm obsessed with is getting Bernie Sanders on here, because I'm from Brooklyn. My mother went to high school with Bernie Sanders, and he will not talk to me. (laughs) So he's got a very nice uh, PR guy who was a hill flack named Michael Briggs, who's a wonderful person, and I was a little pissy one morning, and I sort of, I said something like, he's running his, his presidential a press shop uh, like a hill like a hill press shop and w- you got pretty angry tell me why you got so angry well I worked on the hill for a long time and uh, um, we, we've always run a press shop in McCain's office it was you know bent over backwards to accommodate people and you know McCain is very candid with reporters and uh you know, one of my pet peeves would be, you know, every time McCain walks to the floor for a vote, of course, he's surrounded by the scrum. Right. You know, if he gets off the elevator, they're waiting for him, and they shout questions at him, and he very patiently answers all of them, and they ride down the elevator, or they get on the train with him, you know. And then, you know, once or twice a year, somebody will write a snarky thing about, oh, there's McCain, I'll get him to, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, he'll answer any question. They kind of mock him right. for talking to him, the very people who are asking him questions every day. And we that, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and so it's, you know, people write stuff you don't like. That's part of the business. Right. I don't get too worked up about that. I'll, if it's wrong, I'll say it's wrong. Right. But it's when people I think are, you know, and, and I, and I get your point, right. you know, I get people can you know, really be strict about coloring in the lines and be unresponsive sometimes, but. I also haven't worked on the Hill for 20 years. I know a lot of hardworking people. And I, listen, in I, I got to tell you, I totally, I, you were right. I was wrong. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. You know, I started off my career as a Hill as a lowly hill, a very lowly hill staffer, which convinced me not to want to work on the hill, by the way. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, something a little more contemporary. You uh, you were just telling me before we started that you're relatively new to Twitter, but your tweets lately have been getting a little bit of attention. It Tell is. me what you tweeted and why. Um, well, it was the, the morning of the Indiana primary. It was clear to everybody that Trump was going to effectively wrap up the nomination. And, you know, there's all this talk about, well, now, you know, when he pivots... Um, you know, when he pivots to the general, he'll start to act more presidential. And what's he do the morning? He's about to become the de facto nominee of the Republican Party. He accuses Ted Cruz's dad of killing Kennedy, you know, which it just I, I so I tweeted something that I didn't really think. It was kind of impulsive. Yeah, yeah, definitely impulsive. I yeah. tweeted some, something along the lines of that the Republican Party is about to nominate someone for president, you know, who uh, reads the National Enquirer and thinks it's on the level. And then I added, I'm with her, which is, of course, the hashtag Hillary, right. um, which I thought most people probably knew about me because I've written something along those lines before. I write a column that apparently no one reads for Real Clear <laughs> Politics every month. I, I read it. I read I, it. I've said it a few times. I, I wrote something for Esquire in January, which certainly... I called a, a, a Trump an asshole, and it certainly seemed clear. My point is, if my only choice is Trump or Hillary, I'll, I'll vote for her. Right. Um, and I think I said somewhere that I it's because she's the more conservative choice, not a conservative. She was on the Armed Services Committee with McCain. Yeah, she is, and and I think she she would probably her foreign policy would probably be a a, a modest to maybe substantial improvement over the incumbents. But 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 I, I, there's not much of an affirmative case. I can make for her. I've never voted for a Democrat for president in in my uh, life. But she is the more conservative choice and the least reckless one. She won't 
or at least she hasn't said that she would take the U.S. out of NATO. She hasn't encouraged other nations to get their own nuclear weapons. She hasn't threatened to slap a 45 percent tariff on imported goods. You know, from China, because she, of course China. Now you're from right, Iowa. Yeah, of course China wouldn't ever no, retaliate. No, you know, and it's not. It's not like Iowa farmers sell any goods overseas or anything like that. Right. You know, the 45 percent tariff, which is, of course nonsense. It would plunge the entire globe right. into a depression right. but these are all things trump said and as well as you know uh mur- you know ordering the military to murder the wives and children of jihadis you know which we had people like michael hayden who we had on this right. uh podcast saying uh, that they would it disobey would, it would be their obligation yeah, to disobey yeah. so he'd take yeah. us into a constitutional crisis and i think temperamentally t- it's been clear to me for some time um well i you know i i never had to think about Donald Trump in the context of is this a plausible president until this election, obviously. But I lived in New York in the 80s. I'm aware of Trump. And I don't think there's been a week that I'm aware of in his entire adult life where he's acted like a mature adult. I've said this before. Yeah. I, 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 there isn't. There isn't. I, I have quibble with the adult, uh, the adult life part. Yeah, yeah well, right. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know. When has he ever? There Wait, is. let me let me interrupt you because I'm I love digressions. Yeah. What were you doing in uh, New York in the 1980s? Working at the U.S. Mission of the U.N. I worked for Jean Kirkpatrick. I went to Georgetown, um, and she was a professor there, and the place was full of Georgetown people. And it was my I had a job at the State Department for about six months when I graduated, and then all my buddies were working in New York. Uh, uh, my college buddies and and, and you are from Davenport, Iowa. From Davenport, Iowa, and. Uh, um, I wanted to go hang out with him in New York, and it was fun in the 80s. And, uh, and, and you can smoke. What people don't realize is, and it's true to this day, yeah. you can smoke in the U.N. Yes. And you well, did. You could. Oh, yeah. Well, you used to be able to smoke in the Russell Senate office building, too, or right off the floor of the Senate when I, wor- I worked there so long ago. But, uh, um, of course, you used to be able to smoke on airplanes. And it's good that we can't do any of those <laughs> things anymore. But, um, but anyway, and I, there were the, I knew the U, U.S. mission of the U.N. was full of Georgetown people. And so I kind of walked in off the street and got a job. Where'd you live office. when you were in New York? 84th and 1st. Did you like it? I did. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and did you, uh, so you, so in the 1980s, that was the tabloid. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was, you know, a, 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 a frequent tabloid subject. And, uh, you know, the guy was just always kind of a, I mean, he was, he, everybody's he's just a bullshit guy, you know? And, uh, yeah. um, well, I think that was the point. Like, I think that's obnoxious. what took a lot of people yeah, by surprise. Right. Obnoxious. I'm, I'm a former tabloid reporter from New York. Yeah. I work for Newsday. I guess it's hard to call Newsday a tabloid, but there you have it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fine line between being a, de- isn't it interesting? We are discovering that there is in fact a fine line between being a bullshit artist and a demagogue. Yeah. And I guess he has crossed that fine line. Yes. Do you think he's truly dangerous, or do you think he's a buffoon? Kind I think of? he's. Te- I think he's temperamentally truly dangerous. Tell me, yeah. I, well, I, one, I, I. When people say, "Can he be more presidential?" Well, how you know? I've had reporters ask me, "Well, if you were advising him, how would you advise him?" I said, I, "There's nothing you can do. He'd have to have a brain transplant. This is who he is. It's it's it, it's he can't help himself. He was still." Talking well, I just just yesterday after Cruz got out. Well, you know, was, he says, "Well, Cruz is a hell of a competitor." And then somebody asked him about the National Choir thing. He goes, "Well, I just talk about what I read in the National Choir. There's his dad in a picture with Oswald." You know, I mean, it's, and you know, yeah, we, you know, I'll unify the party. But there's some people who don't want to come back. I don't want him back. You know, it's I not, guess Trump has not read Libra. Yeah, it's just not. <laughs> it's not. This is who he is. He, he he's a man of very low character, a very reckless, impulsive guy who seems to spend every waking minute sort of pursuing the greater glorification of Donald Trump and you know, the smiting of my, his enemies, you know? And, and Let me bust your balls for yeah, one second. Sure. So don't get angry at me no. for bringing this up. You were part of the team yep. in, in, you know where this is going, yeah, yeah, of in course. 2008 uh, that vetted uh, yeah. Palin. Yep. Uh, and you were, uh, you guys were not in a, you know, I covered that election. You were in a, I wouldn't say you were in a Hail Mary situation, but you were definitely third and long, right? Yep. Um, tell me, do you have any twinges about not, because one of the things, you know, when I've read the accounts in Game Change, Game Change and other places, as I recall, the sense was that you guys weren't vetting her with a particularly fine tooth comb. Well, we vetted her very late in the, in the, right. in the game. I mean, we've, and, um. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to speak in any detail about this. It would be wrong of me. Okay. Um, we we asked Sarah Palin to be on the ticket. She didn't invite herself, and uh, she's she's. She, 
we, we owe our, our respect um, for having done that. For having, for, having, yes. for, for having said yes, and uh, but you know, we we did it quickly. Um, I, I would only say that our intentions were not as cynical as people think they were. Um, she, we had a, a a view of her in a change election where the right track wrong track number was a real problem, right? Uh, and the incumbent Republican. Was off the charts. Yeah, in, in, in pretty rough shape. Yes. It was before, obviously, the collapse of the global financial system. Um, <laughs> um, um, but but it was still, I mean, we were holding our own, but we knew we, and, uh, uh, we, knew we were going to be outspent dramatically. We needed a piece of the change message, and uh, we viewed her or her reputation as somebody that came on, took the, on the established, um, took on the oil companies and took on the Republican establishment and was a real reformer and, and a change agent. And that's how she ended up getting picked. We did rush the vet, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, obviously. Do you think ultimately, uh, you know, the game has been moving in the Trump direction for a long time. A lot of us who co- who like to cover a more conventional operation perhaps haven't admitted it to ourselves. And I put yeah. myself in that category. I th- I had picked Ruby. I, I, yeah. I wrote a column saying I thought Ruby was going to be the nominee. And you yeah. you supported Ruby. Are you close to Todd Harris? I supported Bush, too. But yeah. by the time Bush was gone by the time the Virginia primary rolled around. So I voted for Marco, yeah. But to some extent, do you, okay, do you think you opened the door a crack for a Trump-type candidate because of Palin? Or do you think this is just the way the game is going? No, I, I, I don't really think either. Um, maybe, maybe to the first one, maybe a little. Um, and I think uh, this was a very crowded primary of whatever 17 candidates or whatever as Lindsey Graham said when they asked him about his endorsement of Cruz well he was my 15th choice (laughs) but uh, um, was everybody (laughs) Um, um, it's uh, very crowded and it, it, it to not take Donald Trump seriously in June and July and August is a rational response to right. Donald Trump. Okay. okay, it's not like oh, oh these idiots—they didn't take him seriously. Who would? That's right. Okay, no, nobody. The press didn't take him seriously. He was good for ratings, you know. We got well, look. What will he say next? You know, and uh, that sound was me slapping my face, but uh, not um, my. You know, yeah. slapping <laughs> my face. <laughs> um, Maybe you should. Um, but uh, um, um, but did you no, feel no, nobody did? And 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 did I feel? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. So. What what month did he go after McCain? Oh God, I don't even remember when it was. It was was the summertime. It must have been. Now McCain is a guy. It pissed me off. He went after Serge Kovaleski in New York Times. Yeah, well, that was know. the one that really did it for me. I mean, I've known, I've I've had an opinion on Trump for thirty some years, but um, it was it was making fun of a guy's disability. What kind of asshole does that? True. I mean, you don't want a guy like that for a neighbor. For a friend, for a member of your church, for a colleague, for a boss, you wouldn't want you you, you really you you know you wouldn't you know if if he had a flat tire you wouldn't put over and offer to help you know <laughs> so why why would anybody want to vote for a guy like you give that? him a comb yeah, yeah um, uh, you know the, so you, I was the Serge Kovaleski thing even more than the McCain thing you know in a in a way you know. Because really, yes. that one got me. You know, we're in the business. McCain's in the business. He's a tough guy, and 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 yeah, it was. It, it obviously that deeply offended me. He, he, I talked to him when that happened, and you know, I'm sure it irritated him. But and I said to him, "Well, we're going to spend the weekend talking about John McCain, the POW. It's fine, you know. Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, but and he was, I'm sure. It How did he actually? Re- I mean, did he? Re- he was pretty phlegmatic. Really? You know, like, cause like I said, we'd gone through this thing where. He didn't express that publicly, though. Well, I mean, he said he was pretty chill. I thought, yeah, well, he wasn't upset. I, I mean, he was, I'm sure he was irritated, and he made the point that you know, like, I mean, that when um, if you know anything about the story of McCain's imprisonment, he was hurt pretty severely when he, when he ejected, he broke into the lake, three in, limbs in Hanoi. Yeah, yeah. And, and then was tor- and then was yeah, and they didn't know okay, for, for a few for days. Him. For a few yep. days, uh, he was. Uh, pretty badly mistreated because they just thought he was another pilot. Yep. They didn't know who his dad was, but then when they found out his dad was an admiral, they took him to a hospital. But he was the head a, of Pacific uh, uh, Naval he, Operations. At in the that Pacific. time, he, he wasn't. Right. He was. He. I think he had the the the, right. the European right. command. Um, 
but um, he would become, I think, a year later, mm-hmm. sink pack. Um, but anyway, McCain was in, in, in bad shape, and he didn't get much better in the hospital. And uh, he, he lost a lot of weight, had dysentery. He was in a body cast. Um, and um, I don't think people are fully appreciative. It's why he can't raise his hands above his uh, right. shoulder length. Right. People should read The Nightingale's Tale. Yeah, they should. That's books. a great book. Um, and um, and, uh, and um, you know, really bright with fever. And so they, they put him in a cell with two guys, um, Norris Overly and Bud Day. Um, and they put him in that cell to so they could sort of blame it on the POWs for not keeping him alive because they thought he was going to die. And those two guys kind of nursed him back to health, more Norris and Bud, because Bud himself was in almost as bad a shape. And if anybody knows the story of Bud Day, who actually escaped captivity and got within yeah. you know yards of an American fire base before he was recaptured, crawling on his belly, you know, uh, it, it's just this heroic, and he was an epic resistor. Just, he, just, he just died about a year ago, and uh, very close to him. So, you know, Trump's sort of breezy, which is galling, given his own lack of military service. What was he doing at the time? That, well, that he, he, he said he was waging his own personal Vietnam. You know, um, you know, d- avoiding venereal disease. I, <laughs> um, but, but, well, he, he said it. You know, I mean, he said it on Stern. But, um, um, but he, uh, you know, uh, he's, oh, I like guys who aren't captured. They're guys like Bud Day and. Did, yeah, just his Medal of Honor winners, Lance Sijan, who died, who resisted to the point where they killed him. You know, and those guys were, you know, pretty much textbook heroes. Um, so yeah, you know, it just shows you what a what a what a vainglorious, foolish, ignorant, low character bum of a guy Trump is. You know? Do you think he's? A, I mean, do you consider him sort of? And do you think McCain considers him to be an evader, like a, a draft dodger? Yeah, McCain's very. He never judges people about that, and he never. He got really. With, yeah, there's a famous. He had a famous friendship with. Uh, gosh, uh, God, my memory is so poor anymore. He was a friend of mine, and I've forgotten. But he died. He he was he was, he was counsel, legal counsel on the first Clinton campaign. Bill These, Clinton campaign, and he, uh, but that's different. Involved than, in APAC, and he he died about. But that's different than so, th- these are. People, but he, that guy had gone to Vietnam. But these are people who had principle. You know, I have a yeah, good uh, yeah. uh, uh, like one of uh, my colleagues, David Rogers, uh, yes. who is a wonderful man, was a was essentially a conscientious objector, being. and he yes, became he a, a medic. medic. Yeah, and yeah. a wonderful guy. A wonderful guy. I mean, to have somebody out there. To, okay, forget Trump for a second. Yeah, the fact that a dude mm-hmm. would be in the public square and a republican mm-hmm. no less mm-hmm. and say that kind of shit what does that say about the electorate Here, here's here's what seems clear to me um that trump is plainly an awful human being and if you can't see that then you've got some kind of problem and i don't know what it is and i don't want to be so judgmental of people that i don't i did not grow up in wealth i'm not part of an elite anything i don't think um I, I i grew up in the midwest my mom was a grade school teacher my dad was a salesman i worked on a railroad for four years before i ever could go to college um but you've been out there and obviously in 2000 you know that was a really great you know that was a really cool moment whether or not you supported mccain or not to have that sort of candidacy emerge right yeah i mean do you think it's just kind of that the republican party is just kind of uh gotten to the point where you can't have a John McCain or someone else. Oh, I, I would hope not. But here, here's what the negative reaction. I'm not obviously the only person that can't support Trump in the Republican Party, and and uh, there'll be lots more. And um, and I know some people think he'll get 85% of the Republican vote, but if it's 85%, that means an awful lot of Republicans stayed home. I think if you get a normal Republican turnout, I, th- I think he'll lose a quarter of Republicans, maybe more. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Yes. And um, um, I don't think this is going to get any better for him than it is right now. It's just going to get progressively worse. Um, Do you think he is smart? It's an interesting thing. This is a guy who's really interested in legitimacy, stands up there and talks about how smart he is. Do you think he is like... No. You don't think he's no, and some people think he maybe kind of like an idiot savant, Um, you know, because oh look at how he's he just had the right one word 
insult for each of his rivals and it took him down he's just an asshole you know know, that's you know that doesn't make him a tactical you know i mean if he were really tactically bright clever or something why on earth would he be attacking rivals after they get out of the race after you just said that they're great people yeah right why what that's that's you know so no i don't i don't I think if if he didn't have a wealthy father, I don't think anybody would ever know who Donald Trump was. It's interesting because he because he says the same thing about Hillary with the with the getting five percent with the woman stuff. That's an incredibly damaging thing to say, I would imagine. Yeah, in her case, she managed to you know get elected to New, United States Senate from New York twice and was Secretary of State and an accomplished attorney in her own right. Now and McCain uh, really like, as I recall, there's a famous vodka story, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, is, I wasn't there, so I can't t- I think it's entered folklore. It is a little bull. I, yeah, I've yeah. talked with her about it. It's yeah. a little bullshitty, but yeah. there's some. The two of them did actually like each other. Well, she was she was she was an effective member of the Armed Service Committee, and she was very smart the way she approached the Senate. Obviously, senators, especially senators who've been in their jobs for a while, um, were skeptical. Yeah, and you, you here she comes with her Secret Service detail, and uh, you know. Um, but she was assiduous in cultivating her relationships and um, was deferential and willing to help in whatever he did. She served on the armed services which with McCain. and During so, an extraordinarily difficult time in which they were, for a, for a period <laughs> of time, including up to the surge, were, yeah. were on opposite sides of yeah. this issue. Yeah, correct. And... Uh, uh, and she got along well with everybody. She, you know, she's she's obviously people have talked that there's there's a um, a Hillary people know privately that is somewhat different than the Hillary people know publicly, and I think that's that's true. I didn't know her very well. I knew a few people on her staff, and I know a few people in her campaign. But uh, she's a very warm, personable person, and I think who got along with people on both sides of the aisle. And you are a Republican. I am. I am. And you are a... So so have you ever considered, was there any other election where it was close, where you ever considered voting for a Democrat? No. My first uh, presidential vote was for Jerry Ford, and I voted Republican in every presidential election since. And have, how about down ballot? Have you ever voted for a Democrat yes, down ballot? Yes, I have. <laughs> um, I have from time to time when I thought there was a a problem with the I don't want to name any names, but when I thought there was a problem, yes, I voted for, I'm sure I voted for some Democrats. Um, Has McCain, uh, have you spoken with McCain? We had a story uh, this week talking about McCain uh, speaking pretty candidly about, which is kind of amazing that Trump would hurt him. Uh, Trump would hurt him uh, with Latinos back in Arizona. Um, why doesn't McCain, you know, McCain has said he'd support the party's nominee. Yeah. Would you advise him to say, screw that and just kind of do something no, else? No, I'm not going to. You know, he's got, everybody's got to make their own decisions. I would advise him. I wouldn't. I don't need to advise him. He's already doing it. When, when Trump says something that's foolish or wrong, you should say so. And he has. Um, um, I mean, he is a past nominee. He's running as a Republican. You know, I, I, you know, I get, I know people jump all over rights, you know, and stuff. You know, Trump won the necessary or is about to win the necessary number of delegates to be the nominee. It's very unfortunate, but, you know, um, I wouldn't really want a precedent where somebody can win the nomination and somehow the chairman of the party (laughs) refuse to accept that fact. You know, I think it's unfortunate and, you know, I can't vote for Trump. So I'll vote for whatever the best alternative is. Would you vote for a third like we've talked about? Ben I would Sass. if there was if there's a good one that I thought didn't help Trump in some way. If if there was a th- if if I could vote for a, 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 a conservative running independently who didn't uh, who didn't make it more likely Trump would be elected, then yes, I, I would do that. Have you had a lot of Republicans or friends? Well, first of all, it, let me ask instead of weighing it, um, what has the reaction been to the fact? that you've said this and you know i know you wrote about it but the tweet really blew up yeah um well that's just like i said i was new to twitter and i was just kind of taken aback by by the, the reaction to it but um have people yeah, yeah. reached out to you yes yes i gotten i've been texted and emailed but what's the response like not from not from schmucks like me i'm but with from you. real people uh, yeah you're right you're right silent majority kind of deal yeah that's i hear from the trump trump people that send me little notes you know 
we're the silent majority. I said, you're, 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 you're neither a majority <laughs> nor are you silent. <laughs> but when I grew up, what did it matter to you if the guy next door voted for the other candidate? It mattered to you. Was the guy a good guy? Right. You know. Right. You know. Did he blast his stereo too loud? Did you know? Did he never mow his grass? You know. Did he abuse his kids? You know. Or was he a good guy? Was he a good neighbor or something? It's like who cared? Nobody cared. Right. You know. It, and that's McCain's. McCain yeah, has been. Well, that's. I mean, I think that's all people of a certain. You know, say born. No later than you know, the Eisenhower administration right. or maybe Kennedy, you know, um, um, that it was just, the, so someone's politics was not an uninteresting part of their personality, but one of the lesser interesting parts of their personality. If basically, you know, were they a good guy to hang but now with? It's a good an, but person? now it's a signifier and people use it as It a, is, and they can go, and they can only, and, and the, we, we, you've, you're exactly right, we fragmented ourselves, so you, you, can, you can have meaningful relationships with people and uh, a, 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 rel, a reasonably full life and with lots of experiences without ever... Um, Meeting people very di- or spending any quality time with people who are uh, who think who are differently. Different, who who think different. No, it's the same thing with. Listen, I think it's a part of the Sanders phenomenon as well. The, yes, um, I do. I, I agree with you. Know if you had Cruz, it would be a straight line sort of. Uh, it would be a road test of a philosophy that the party was too liberal, right? And and you could at least have proof positive in an election that you didn't have a Romney losing. You had a Cruz right. losing. Does Trump do anything in, to, in in terms of creating a moment of transition, or does he throw the party into the swamp? He throws the party into the swamp. He's because we're identified with his personality. You can he said outlandish things. I don't think he could slap a 45% tariff on Chinese imports any more than he will get Mexico to pay for his freaking wall. He, you know, you could use the yeah, actual. No, okay. no, you don't I, have, you don't have. The, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think he, you know, I don't think he will pull us out of NATO. And I think people would prevent him from encouraging Korea to get its own nuclear arsenal. That he wants to do those things is the problem. I don't think he could curtail the first amendment, but that he wants to do that is a problem. And he wants to do all these things because of who he is, his character, which to me, it just seems like some drunk in a bar. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's it's his character that makes him unfit for the office. I think Hillary, I'm sure 10 minutes into Hillary Clinton's inaugural address, I'll sort of be disappointed but but <laughs> but you know you know i i don't well, you do have a reputation as being this as this yeah, gloomy yes but uh um but you look pretty good today though <laughs> but you know it I is mean, i should say the sky is overcast so, right it is which is a very saltary well it's very main weather right. uh today so it's uh Normally, I would like to be in Maine right about now, but I'm not getting up there till June. People have that reaction. <laughs> but we got a couple more minutes. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about um, yeah. is you. Um, you are a, uh, um, I mean, a writer of some standing. You've written some good stuff. Uh, you've written some good speeches for Thanks. for Senator McCain. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what it is like being a writer involved. In, a real writer involved in the political process. I mean, is it a, is it is it sort of difficult? Are you kind of a fish out of water sometimes? No, it's uh, and I've always told my kids this. Whatever, if you can if you can write well, it's. I mean, once upon a time, I think a lot more people wrote well than than do today, and it's still a useful skill that's transferable to all sorts of professions and. Uh, and it's how I got noticed. You know, is, is all it was. You know. Um, I worked for at the U.S. Mission to the United Nations when Jean Kirkpatrick was the ambassador there. I worked in the press and office. And she delivered speeches. Yes, she did. They yes. were they were they were they were th- treatises more than speeches. Right. But uh, um, you know, I was a kid out of college. I was clipping newspapers and taping interviews and transcribing. Back in those days, you had to. I would transcribe the State Department noon brief out of a squawk box. You wow. know. And, and clipping newspapers meant actually 
cutting them out of the newspaper and pasting them and <laughs> making Xeroxes. But when you grew <laughs> up, did you ever have the desire to be a reporter? No, I never did. Um, I didn't have. I, I, I've been strangely free of ambition most of my life. You Me know, too. I just wanted to. You know, when did the writing bug? Were you always a writer in school? What? What kind? I, you know, my mom was a teacher, and she taught me to read when I was very young. So I was always a reader. And when people ask me how. how how do you become a, a a good writer? Become a good reader. And um, and uh, what were some of the books that really got you early on? You know, I read a lot of mythology, and uh, um, you know, I just I, I I just all sorts of stuff. You know, when and, you say mythology, like Edith Hamilton. Yeah, but like Bullfinch's anthologies. And I read stuff. Bullfinch's. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. um, and then I, the guy named Clyde Bullis when I was a real little kid. He wrote the like uh, wonderful I, animal stories or something that how I about Robert about. Graves. I did read Robert I, Claudius and um, um, and then I then I read um, I really got into short stories and I started with Fitzgerald's kid and now I become uh, now it's mostly the Irish short story that interests me and I read a, 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 a lot of them. William Trevor is my favorite writer. William Trevor is terrific. He is. The, the, By the way, not exactly an uplift. No, no, but you know, it's what he lacks sentimentality, but he's filled with compassion. And that's a. It's McCainish. It is in in some ways. um, Although there's plenty of sentimentality sometimes in McCain, I think. But, but, um, and his stories end that way in a way that an awful fate might have befallen his characters, but you're sort of, you're. He accommodates you and them to it. You can feel, you can feel him, you can feel his love for his characters, and that's a rare ability that very, very few people have. What do you think the best thing you've ever written is? You know, it was probably some floor statement or something I wrote for McCain. You really? know, I imagine, I, yeah. You know, it's it's a funny thing that like it, the the best things always end to be the things you sort of dash Fast. off. You got it under pressure, and you know because you economize. You don't. You're not even economizing. You just don't have time to not economize. You know, um, and um, you know, I'm proud of the first McCain book. Um, I'm actually proud of the the uh, the one that came out right after the King, the. In 2007, the summer, we'd gotten a decent advance to have a book come out that August because McCain was considered the, you know, the presumptive front runner. But the campaign kind of blew up in July, and so the book never sold. And I had had to write that book in 2006. So if you're if you're running for your boss is running for president in 2008, you're pretty busy in right. 2006. Right. You know, and uh, and I was still chief of staff for him at the Senate office. And I didn't want to do this book. Um, I just told our publisher, John Carp, that I, that I just aren't enough hours to do it. Yep. So, well, we'll give you more than we wanted to give you so you can hire a researcher, which was the first time we used a researcher, a marvelous guy that's done work for David McCullough and John Meacham and others, by the name of Mike Hill, if anybody's looking for a fantastic researcher out there. But... Um, so we hired him, but I, you know, I would just come home at like nine o'clock at night or something after and, a day. At yeah, after a day at nine o'clock at night, and have to write for four hours. But he had everything in a binder for me, so I could do it. But again, you it listen was just, to music. How do you? Do I do. You? I listen to usually Mozart. Everything else. If, if in the Mozart, morning to get me going, I'll listen to Bach. Mozart you know? is non-intrusive. Yeah, yeah. Mo, 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 Bach, yeah. Bach is too mathematical and complicated. You get yeah. caught up in it. I, I yeah. do it in the morning just to yeah. get myself going. Yeah. Um, but um, what, what, hey, one thing I want to ask you because I've never had to do it. I've, I've had to do it. Uh, it's why I'm a really shitty editor because I rewrite. My voice is very strong. Yeah. Your voice is really strong too. Yeah. What is it like having to? Uh, having to speak through someone else's teeth, yeah, as well, somebody who very clearly has a voice. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a trick, and I think it it, it largely depends on who it is. You know, um, everybody everybody has a biography, obviously, um, and if you can learn to write from the vantage point of how you would imagine you would see the world if you had that biography, 
then it's not that hard to do. You know, you don't have to put it in. You don't have to make references to the biography or something. You just have to write from the perspective of somebody who has seen that kind of slice of life. Being Mc- and, and in McCain. your case, McCain. McCain. McC- yeah. And McCain is. Do you consider McCain almost to be a character in in a narrative? Yes. To yourself. Yeah, I do. Yeah, probably. When did you first get hooked on it? It seems like you're a little. I, I'm not. I don't want to use the term addictive. It's pejorative. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like. You got caught. It's a very Boswell Johnson sort of thing. Yeah, well, right? we were friends. You know, we hit it off right away. I was working for Kirkpatrick, and we were at the uh, convention in New Orleans in 1988. I'd written a, a, her convention address, and I tell this story all the time because it's just when people, well, what was your game plan? I never had one. Life is just a series of fortunate or unfortunate accidents. And, uh, so it was in the Superdome, a big place. And yeah. this, nobody had cell phones back then, obviously, or anything else. And the surrogate press shop had asked her to do a bunch of interviews, and it was late at night, and we had done about four or five, and I couldn't find the last one. We were lost in the Superdome, and uh, and you know, she's getting a little irritated. And uh, she, well, I'm not going to do it, you know. And uh, so I somehow got a walkie-talkie or something and got the press surrogate press shop at the convention. Send somebody up here that knows where this fucking interview is, right. you know, and. Uh, they sent up this volunteer who took us to the interview, and I started, you know, shooting the breeze with her, and um, got along. Went out and had a few beers that night. And it was Tori Clark, wow. who at that time was yeah. was John McCain's press secretary and had been his press secretary later when he was in the House. Later went on to Defense Department. I'm sorry, Defense Department. You know, and worked in the George H. W. campaign, uh, re-election campaign, and she's you know great became a great friend. And we were we went out and had a few beers. We're walking down Bourbon Street. She introduces me to one of her colleagues, um, who was McCain's scheduler. And then the, um, she introduces me to McCain the next night at the floor of the convention when Bush was giving his acceptance speech, and um, kind of hit it off. And they hired me to write a speech. He was getting an award from, I think, La Raza or Lulac or somebody. And it worked, you know. I, I, got, I got his voice on the first try. And um, what was it like working with him on that? Good. Is he, is he prickly or no? No, no. It's just, you know, he's just quick, 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 quick. Yeah. Um, no, not prickly at all. He's very casual. Everybody, the, the interns call him by his first name. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny and jokes around and he's restless and he's you do your business and he, you're right. You, 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 the next guy. <laughs> he seems to next have this up. unique capacity to g- actually give a shit about somebody he's talking to. He does. He does. I mean, you do get the feeling politicians can project it, but mostly it's a pretty narcissistic thing. There are times with McCain, like any famous person, where he you, he feels importuned upon, right? And, you know, he, he'll call you into the elevators, like, get in here, you little yeah, shit. Yeah, that was what he would say. Yeah. Um, but, the, but there are moments you will say something where it'll break through and he will actually focus on you as a yeah. person. I find that unusual with politicians. Yeah, he does. But anyway, so, yeah. so, they, Sorry, so I went, so he called me in again yeah. to do some other speech for him and I did another one for him and then he called me in, I think in the summer of 89 or, he said, yeah, well, look, yeah, you know, Lauren, who was then his foreign affairs, LA and Lauren's going over the state department and, uh, um, you know, so I, you know, I want you to come here and be the foreign affairs guy and and write stuff for me. Okay, talk to Chris about the money. And I said, well, can I have a, can I have some time to think about it? And he said, yeah, 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 but like do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so I ended up going to work for him and his scheduler. I ended up marrying, and we have two kids. And it's I always and I always tell people it's because I got lost in the Superdome. <laughs> So did I think, and, and, I think and, the re- and the rest of my life happened. And by the way, I think George H. W. Bush got lost in the yeah, Super Bowl right. too. Like yeah. literally, I think yeah. it's in, yeah. in what it takes. Well, uh, last question is um, highs and lows with McCain. What was um, what what was the moment that you felt was sort of his apex, and and what was kind of the lowest moment? What's it like being around him? Because this is a guy who has dealt with a ton of adversity. I you know a couple. Um, I, I don't know which one was greater. N- the Vietnam normalization was a. That was a big thing. Very proud of him. Um, he got Clinton uh, authorization to use force in Bosnia. Um, that was tricky because it was in the middle of a presidential election and the guy he was supporting, Phil Graham at the time, was opposed. And uh, I, that was a big high. A lot. There have been lots of highs. I mean, a small, and I think it was 93, maybe 94, maybe 92. Um, he was asked to give the commencement address at Naval Academy, which his father had given 
when he was in prison. And it meant a lot to him. It's weird. Um, Why? I, you know, you know, he's got he, like anybody, the son of and grandson of admirals, and went to the academy himself. Had complicated relationships with the navy, who suffered greatly in the navy, and uh, but was proud of it, I think. And, and he wanted to do as well as his dad had done, and. Uh, it was just a uniquely touching moment. And you worked with him on that? I did. I did. How long a process was that? Longer than usual. Usually it's pretty quick with him because we've been doing it a long time was together. He, was he, was but it he, hard we, for him to come to? He was, he was involved in every paragraph of it. What does it feel like to blend with somebody That's like it that? right there. That's right on your wall. With yeah, a congr- you're, showing, yeah. you're pointing to a congressional record. There. Yeah, uh, Graham, I think, had submitted it to the record after he gave it. What's it like? Was it, that must have been a moment where you two became... Was we, that a forging? Uh, uh, you know, I think we, I think we got we were close right from the go, jump. You know, we 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 just we have similar personalities and. Uh, but he uh, likes writers we, too. Yeah, we and we like the same. We read the same kind of stuff, and he's a big Trevor guy. And uh, I didn't know that about him. Oh, he's, he's more Trevor of a guy? he's yeah he's a, although he's more of a Hemingway enthusiast than I am. But um, um, I went back and read Central Sorrises. But we were always exchanging books. I mean, I, because I was at Foreign Affairs LA, I traveled overseas with him. So you spend a ton of time. Yeah. Wait, but back to the speech. I don't yeah. want to hunker you down too much. But back to the speech. What was the thing? Sounds to me like he was having trouble. These are a, a complicated stew of things. Not trouble. He just wanted to do right by it. He had all this. I mean, there, there's been a McCain in, in uniform since the, um, since the American Revolution. Right, there was that great PBS. Did you see the yeah. PBS special yeah. where he apparently yeah. is related to George Washington? His cousin is related to Charlemagne. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it, so it's a you know it's a centuries old. So he felt the tradition. He felt the weight of this. Yeah, and the weight was from from the day of his birth. You know, um, born in the Panama Canal zone. <laughs> you know, his dad. But was, there's also was an ambivalence. But you were getting at an ambivalence too. So the no, weight yeah, of the pressure. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it's he's not the only midshipman who has bittersweet memories of the Naval Academy. Um, most of them do. You know, it's, 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 I think it's a little bit easier than it used to be, but it could be, a, especially that plebe year, it could be a pretty wretched experience. But, uh, and he's pugnacious. And as he said, I didn't, you know, really understand why I had deferred to people just because they were a year older than me, you know. But, um, 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 but, you know, I mean, he had made his peace with all that decades and decades and decades ago, and he'd been in civilian life since 1980. Right. You know, but it's, you know, it's a big deal to be asked to give that address. You know, his father and his grandfather were the first father and son to have, be four-star admirals, you know. It is a big family tradition. And there he stood, you know. Eisenhower had given the address. Did he, he do you think there was there self doubt involved? No, no self doubt. He just wanted to do a good job. He, just wanted, to do a good job. <clears throat> he wanted it to be a memorable experience for everybody involved, and it was for years. I I heard afterwards the plebes were given a copy of the address. That's a pretty cool. Yeah. That's a pretty cool thing for you. Yeah, it was nice to be able to you know to be to be part yeah, of that. to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last question is the low. I mean, you were with him the end of two thousand, and it was really tough. Yeah, it was. It was also represented sort of the unwinding of. He's gotten back to it, but presidential yeah. elections change the way people view people, change the way yeah. they view themselves. What was it like? What was the low in that? You know, I don't think, like? I, I think election day wasn't really a low. We, you know, it's pretty obvious what was going to happen after Lehman Brothers collapsed. Right. Um, so we, at that point, I mean, <clears throat> there, there are many people, I've tried to find the dominant you know, character trait in McCain, and I always toggle back and forth between his restlessness and his resilience. And I've decided that they're one in the they same. They are one in the same. They're one in the same. Absolutely. You know, he just cannot stay in an experience. It It bores him, you know. So you know, including grief, yeah. pain, yeah, <clears throat> right. He's got also to move, happiness. He's got to move on, and that's how we ended the first book, which ends right. when he gets out of prison. And he says, "You know, I just you know held on to the memory and moved on." You know, because that was the most authentic. That's so authentic to McCain. He just so he did not get so down. <clears throat> you, know, you, feel, you know, it's going to happen for at least a month, and yeah. and what's what's resilient? The resilience comes in is you got to do eight or nine airport rallies every day and you're in like five or six states every day and it's just like 20 hour days and it's a terrible exhausting grind of an experience and you've got to do it with gusto every every day and you know you're going to lose you know that takes 
some how, kind of fortitude. Yeah. Okay, so here's, here's a dismount. <laughs> We're talking about Trump. We're talking about character. There is a possibility, who knows, tr- you know, Trump could, could run the table and the world could, you know, turn flat. Yeah. Um, how do you see Trump? There, there might be a long stretch here where Donald Trump is going to be aware that he, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. How yeah. the hell do you think he's going to deal with that? Um, well, I think he's kind of an unstable personality to begin with, so I, I, I couldn't really hazard a guess. You know, I think he could come apart, you know, in some kind of visible way. I think that's quite possible. But uh, do you think he is so unstable that he? he that I don't. I don't think he's um, psychologically well. So you think this process, the pressure? I'm not. A, I'm not a psychiatrist, but he just there is something wrong with a guy that. You so know. you think? So you think the end game here could be Donald Trump having some sort of a, a breakdown? I, I guess that's a possibility. I don't know that that would happen. I just, I don't think he's a stable person. It, it, he, he certainly, he certainly doesn't behave like one. Um, you know, it's almost a compulsion with him. You know, this is all about you know how dare you insult me? You better respect me more. You know, and uh, I mean it's a, it's a, it's pathological. You know, any any sort of slight is. I mean, the, his tweets are like some uh, like I think it was Mark. And, John, Mark Halpern and John Heilman or something. I'm beginning to respect them. They, because they didn't criticize him or something. I mean, what? Grow up. You know, it's grow up. You know, the whole thing with Megyn Kelly. You got the. Sometimes I thought the guy had some kind of secret room in Trump Tower. The walls are plastered with pictures of Megyn Kelly cut out of magazines or something. It was just <laughs> weird. You know. It puts the lotion on its skin. Yeah. Um, well, b- boy, that uh, I really don't want to end on that one, man, because that is creeping me the hell out. Um, so I guess I will just ask you, what are you working on right now in terms of? Uh, um, ter- uh, by the way, that is not a nice question to ask yeah, anybody. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I've got a few clients I write op-eds and speeches for, and it's I try to do a book every other year, and I'm trying to sell a book proposal that I was really lucky to get invited to work in a very... Uh, limited way on a Ken Burns documentary that's going to air in a, a year f- from next fall. And uh, I met this guy there who'd been a Marine in Vietnam and uh, grew up in Roxbury and gang, single mom, tough life, good football player, but rough, rough year in Vietnam, Marine up on the DMZ and, and all those fire bases up there. Yep. And, uh, and then came back and Somehow got himself through college and and became a, a great education reformer. Ran the biggest charter school in Boston. <clears throat> I think the guy's got a fantastic story. His name's Roger Harris. I've tried to sell the proposal to a bunch of publishers. <laughs> Nobody's bought it yet, but somebody ought to write this guy's well, people story. People do listen yeah. to this, so maybe yeah. they. Yeah. Uh, well, Mark Salter, uh, great meeting you. Great talking Good to you. Good meeting you too. Thanks for being on. No, thanks for having me. The song this week is "Not Yet" by the LA-based band fun game.